Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Well, it's a beautiful day in Phoenix, Arizona, where the Pelicans begin a West Coast road trip that may define the rest of the regular season. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. This is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And yes, we're in the Valley of the Sun today, um, where it's not quite so sunny this morning, but uh, it's pleasant to say the least. We're focused on basketball uh, in a big, big way as the Suns and the Pelicans will tee it up tonight at 9 central time. Uh, And then it's off to Oakland, California to take on the Warriors and then wrap things up with the Clippers on Sunday before returning home. And we'll see how things stand with regard to the Western Conference playoff standings. This is a huge stretch for the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'm not so sure I know what will determine a successful road trip. Obviously, two or more wins would be fantastic. But is one and two enough to say that the road trip was successful? I'm not so sure I know at this point. A lot of it may have to do with what the Thunder continue to do or not do. They were winners last night. They get Atlanta on Friday. Uh, They've got a little more of an injury situation now. And his canter is hurt. Although the good news for the Thunder is that canter's x-rays were negative Uh, last night and uh, he has simply kind of a run-of-the-mill sprained ankle and is listed as day-to-day so we'll see how that plays out meanwhile the Warriors whom we'll see tomorrow night in Oakland uh, dominated the Atlanta Hawks last night in a battle between the best of the West and the best of the East and uh, even without Klay Thompson Golden State looked very good and so we'll uh, you know we'll see how that goes tomorrow night at Oracle Arena in front of a very hostile crowd uh, in Oakland California On our show today, we've got a little bit of basketball. We've got a little bit of football. On the basketball side, we're very pleased to bring back Sam Amick, who uh, formerly of Sports Illustrated, now of USA Today, has a piece uh, this week with Jeff Zilgit regarding uh, playoff seeding and where things stand with regard to the discrepancy between the West and the East and how some teams should be in while others shouldn't be. Uh, in the current format, and if anything can be done about that, certainly that does impact the New Orleans Pelicans. And a long and wide-ranging visit with Sam Amick is yours here in just a moment. On the football side, we haven't learned a whole lot about new Saints linebacker Donnell Ellerby yet. John Kinjemi from the Miami Dolphins 
is here to uh, help us learn a little bit more about Donnell and uh, what his impact may or may not be with the uh, New Orleans Saints. That was a part of the Kenny Stills trade last week, if you remember. And so we're pleased to welcome in John Kinjemi on today's podcast as well. And then we'll set the table for a busy night tonight on the radio, uh, most notably on WWL-FM, the flagship station of the Pelicans Radio Network. We've got uh, quite a uh, block of Pelicans programming for you uh, for this evening, uh, notably here from Phoenix, Arizona. So we'll also talk about that on today's Black and Blue Report. Glad you're with us, and uh, stay with us as we've got those two great interviews today. We'll take our first time out, and when we come back here in Phoenix, we'll jump in with Sam Amick from USA Today. The playoff pushes on as your New Orleans Pelicans fight for the postseason. Join us this Wednesday at 7 p.m. at the Smoothie King Center for another guys' night out against the Houston Rockets. This ticket package includes two tickets, four beers, plus we'll throw in two free T-shirts, all for as low as $46. Grab your pals to get on board for guys' night out. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Basketball fans from all over Louisiana are invited to the Louisiana High School Boys and Girls All-Star Basketball Games being held in Shreveport at the Hirsch Coliseum on Saturday, March 21st. The best players from Louisiana will put on an exciting display of showmanship. Tickets are only $10 and games start at 1 p.m. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... <coughs> not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Well, as the Pelicans get set to take on the Phoenix Suns, they had that win under their belts back at home, giving them a record of now 37-30. and 30. But yet, we're still tracking New Orleans and Oklahoma City, and the Suns, for that matter, too, still here somewhat in, in this uh, battle for one spot left in the Western Conference playoffs. Meanwhile, on the eastern side of things, we're seeing teams battling for six, seven, eight, and even teams further down the ladder still may have a shot to get in. It's a much different landscape in the East once again this year and maybe more exaggerated than ever before. And with that, we bring in Sam Amick from USA Today who kind of took the lid off of this playoff conversation a little more than maybe you and I speaking at the local pub or courtside at an arena and started to look at this as to whether or not it could ever change and whether or not we could ever get just the 16 best teams in. And with that, Sam, I'm curious as to what maybe you tried to discover in your uh, in your travel across that piece. I appreciate you having me, Sean. I mean, the piece was fun to do. It's admittedly been an issue that has kind of nagged at me for years. Just when it comes to seeing the playoff structure and so many teams that you know, and, and we kind of labeled them the, the undeservings getting in and the victims being left out. And admittedly, I am, you know, a little bit of a, uh, of a, you know, of, of a kind of might is right and, and fair is the way to do things type of guy. And so the idea that we might 
take a peek at this change and go top 16 was one that I wanted to dive in on with my colleague Jeff Zilgit. And really, I think we'll keep talking about this, and this is kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this story. But we certainly, I think, painted a, a pretty bleak picture just when you look at the last couple decades and the way things have gone and the fact that since 93, you're talking about only five times have the top 16 teams gotten into the playoffs. And the teams that got in that you could argue shouldn't have gotten in have never really done anything. They're just not, not even forget winning a first round series. They're barely ever competitive. Um, and so it was interesting. There's a lot of layers to this discussion, a lot of counter arguments that I think are, are, are good ones. And, uh, but like you said, it's, I think at least worth talking about. The, uh, the piece is entitled The Best Should Be In, and you can find it not only in USA Today, but also usatoday.com. Sam, why now? Why write about this now? As you mentioned, this is now a long problem. It goes back early 90s, uh, at least is the way you framed it in the piece. Is there something changing, or is there something about this moment in time that allows you to, I guess, blow a little more light toward it? Well, I think as we sit here you know, talking to the Pelicans fan base, I think their season plays a part here. And, and one of our editors, I thought, did a really nice job putting the story together online where he had this provocative shot of Anthony Davis uh, kind of looking down. And to me, you could argue that Anthony Davis for this season is the poster boy of this issue. The fact that he could have this kind of MVP caliber campaign and then his team, as good as they have been, could still be on the outside looking in is, again, reason to look at it. So, Uh, On top of that, you're just talking about several seasons where forget the better team not getting in. You're talking about really good teams not getting in. You know, the Phoenix Suns last year were a really good team. They didn't get in. Now, this year, again, it's either going to be OKC or the Pelicans. And, And it's not just a case of decent teams sneaking in. I would argue that both of those teams would have a puncher's chance, if not, you know, that's probably selling it short, at competing with the Golden State Warriors and you know pushing them in a first-round series. So uh, that's part of it. I think it, what comes with that, Sean, is the star power argument and the idea that maybe there's a threshold here where the NBA gets uh, you know kind of upset enough at, at this happening when you have guys like Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant possibly not playing on that stage I think that could be enough to move the needle and move this conversation along. Well, I didn't think about it like that because all I hear about is, you know, the travel will be an issue or the fact that the schedule during the regular season is unbalanced. But, look, we're about to have this major influx of TV money. And what drives TV ratings but stars? And I didn't think about that argument that if you just take this year's case study, uh, you've got several significant players in this league uh, that will be idle come April the 16th. No, no question. And it, to me, it goes beyond there. I mean, listen, I'm not about to advocate for the Utah Jazz getting in, but look at a team like Utah that if they keep playing the way they are right now, they could very well surpass the teams in the East, whether it winds up being Charlotte or Indiana or Boston or Miami, they get in at the bottom half of their structure. And um, you know, I look at another team like the Sacramento Kings. Now, listen, they've been god-awful since they fired their coach early in the season, but even stars like DeMarcus Cousins, live in this world now where the idea of him ever sniffing the playoffs is far-fetched because of the imbalance that we've seen between the two conferences for so long. And at least if you had a top-16 system, you could sleep at night knowing that you're giving everybody the same chance. Now, again, 
you know, if I fall on one side of the fence, it's pretty obvious which side I fall on. But I do think some of the other arguments are worth exploring. Another one being the rivalry component. There are some great rivalries that are based in interconference play that you could lose by going this route. You know, you right now I think if you did the top 16 hypothetical, I believe the Spurs would be playing the Raptors in the first round. And then if they beat the Raptors, they could I think they'd be playing the winner of Atlanta-Milwaukee. You know, that's not the kind of Western Conference, you know, just the drama that we're used to seeing. And so you might run into some of that. But, again, I still think the uh, the unjust component kind of outweighs the rest of it. Sam, what's what's more realistic here? Kind of the, the, the best 16, as you're proposing with Jeff in this piece, or is realignment uh, a realistic fix for this situation to, to maybe strengthen the East, I guess is what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't know which way it goes, to be honest. I don't know how to handicap, but I, I do know that the you know the funny part of this story is that we are obviously going big with the concept and the hypotheticals of what could happen and maybe what argue should happen. But the reality, and like we end the story saying this is more of a pipe dream at the moment, reality is there's not a ton of momentum here. You have a lot of owners who simply have no incentive to help push something like this through certainly in the East where they make millions of dollars every year with their teams getting into the playoffs with those six, seven, eight seeds. Um, the New Orleans and Phoenixes of the world and Golden State, teams like that are known to be advocates for this, but I think that group is still nowhere near large enough to push it through. The, uh, the competition committee that dictates things like this for the NBA is going to have a meeting in June, and this was part of our reporting too, is just the fact that the impression we were given is that this issue is not on their short list. It will be discussed. Uh, I had Suns owner Robert Sarver tell me in an email that you know he's looking forward to debating the pros and cons at that meeting, but it's not something that is just on the cusp of changing, I think. Yeah, you kind of left me on a down note there at the end of the article, Sam. Let's be honest here. <laughs> you yeah, got sure. me all fired up. And really thinking about it as if I hadn't been already with the with the uh, situation that New Orleans is in, um, but yeah, I just you know, I just don't see how we're anywhere close to this uh, because of some of those political factions or you know financial reasons that you describe. No, we're not. And you know, to be transparent with you, Sean, I I think part of occasionally part of uh, of the role that we play in the media is all right. You guys don't want to put it on your short list. That's fine, but. You know, don't get mad at us when we write a piece like this and paint a picture that parts of it are not very flattering when it comes to the way the league is perceived and the way the current structure is working and really not working in some respects. So, you know, that that to me was some of the value in it. And again, I got a few text messages and some feedback afterwards from executives in the East who felt like the rivalry argument wasn't explored enough, that that's a major factor. Um and I agree. And so, again, we'll keep covering this. We'll keep analyzing it. But, uh, but yeah, it's just not the, – the politics come into play. History and tradition come into play. And, the, you know, and you need a whole lot of votes to get something like this through. And right now they're just not there. In the, in the, in the piece, you, uh, you kind of uh, juxtapose a couple of those different ideals, uh, one being from Jerry West, who's, who's a staunch traditionalist, the other being Jeff Van Gundy, who'd, who'd love to change half the game, I think, on any given night. Um, how many Jeff Van Gundys are out there and how many Jerry Wests are out there? I think if you're talking just ideologically, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's probably more 
Popovich and Van Gundy's, or at least somewhat of a balance, than there are Jerry West. Jerry surprised me a little bit. In fact, it was kind of humorous just from the standpoint of, I mean, Joe Lacob is known to look at this thing like, you know, his Warriors got hosed a couple of years ago. They won 48 games, didn't get in the playoffs. Um, Bob Fitzgerald, who you know, a team commentator and a local radio personality, has literally uh, drafted a proposal, submitted it to the league, and has an ongoing dialogue with Adam Silver about this topic. And so they ended up, uh, you know, Jerry and I ended up talking, but then here he comes kind of giving the other side when it comes to his stance. Uh, but I think it's less about the Jerry West of the world that are keeping this from happening than it is, again, the owners and the financial component uh, and, and the fact that you're talking about, I need to look this up, I believe it would be a two-thirds vote that would be required to get it through. But even if it, you know, even if it was half, I don't know if they could get there. I don't think they could get there. Sam Amick with us here from USA Today, formerly of Sports Illustrated, longtime NBA follower from the uh, Northern California area. Hey, Sam, if you don't mind, can I ask you about two other things real quick? Yeah, no problem. Hey, number one, and I, and I may um, I may be painting you in a corner here, especially seeing as you had Anthony Davis's picture as kind of, as you mentioned, the poster child for our playoff conversation. But, but with that in mind, um, a- answer this for New Orleans uh, listeners or, or Pelicans fans because I'm having a hard time answering this question for them. But, you know, here as we speak, the Pelicans are currently the eighth-seeded team in the Western Conference. But yet when you talk to most people nationally, uh, the, the, the conversation is always, wow, well, get ready for that first-round matchup between Oklahoma City and Golden State. Or, you know, when, when, when Oklahoma City meets up with Golden State in the first round, not having Serge Ibaka is going to be a real problem. Um, Pelicans fans are sitting here scratching their heads saying, why aren't why isn't New Orleans ever included in that you know what will April be like conversation? No, I'm with you on that, and it's a fair criticism. Although I think it's changing pretty quickly because I'm not. You know, I mean, when the Ibaka news came out, my I think my lead to my story, kind of trying to analyze it, said you know so much for the Oklahoma City Thunder surging into the playoffs. Looks like Serge Ibaka might be out for a while, and and went on to say that this could be the death knell during this uh, season of survival for OKC. And I do feel that way. They, I think the reason we were given the nod to the Thunder, and really I shouldn't say we, just speaking for myself, but given the nod to the Thunder for a long time was because you kept hearing that Kevin Durant was close to coming back. Obviously you're talking about a reigning MVP. You saw how well Russell Westbrook was playing. Serge Ibaka was healthy. He was playing his best basketball of the year. Ennis Cantor has been a really nice addition for them. Deion Waiters was finding his way. They seem to have things finally falling their way, and now that's certainly not the case. Now, on top of that, or I guess you know, the you know the other side of it is New Orleans has been playing really good basketball, and Anthony Davis has been leading that team in ways that it looked a couple months ago like maybe he wouldn't be able to. And Drew Holiday goes down, and Ryan Anderson goes down, and, and you're thinking that they're catching a couple breaks in the wrong direction. That uh, that we're going to affect their their situation. But right now, if you're asking, I mean, I, I don't mind I mean, kind of handicapping it right now. I think New Orleans winds up getting in. I don't know how Russell Westbrook can keep carrying this team without more of a supporting cast. And the Pelicans are playing such good basketball. Now they dropped a tough one the other day. Uh, but, you know, they are a good team right now. And Anthony is a fascinating MVP candidate discussion 
because he, to me, he's on the short list, but you don't usually say that about a guy whose team is that far down in the standing. So I think all that stuff came into play, but, I mean, obviously they're right there and have a great shot at it. Okay, fair enough, and I and I enjoy your answer on that. You, know, you are, I think you're uh, at the forefront of this <laughs> with regard to New Orleans. And look, I'm open to all sides of the conversation. I am realistic here with 15 games to go for the Pelicans. Um, this uh, this visit that we're having, Sam, is going to be on the Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Um, but with, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the game that you're going to cover on Wednesday night which features Golden State and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, it would be easy for me to build this as a preview of the NBA Finals, but let me just ask you, are those the two teams that have the best chance of being there at the end in the NBA? Um, I think I will say that for the Warriors, and just because of where I'm based, I don't get to see the Hawks as much as I would like. Obviously, I'm watching them on League Pass all the time. I'm still, this is maybe a mistake to go this route, but there's part of me that says, that Cleveland is just as dangerous as Atlanta. Um, now, they got run the other night as well. Everybody has off nights. But, you know, I think Cleveland's a very good team, and Atlanta's been tremendous. So, you know, obviously on paper, these are the two best teams, and the Hawks, um, you know, are, are without Cal Corver for a couple games, the Warriors without Clay Thompson. So it's not quite the, you know, the, the showdown that we thought it was going to be just because these guys are not at full strength. And plus, on top of that, for teams like the Hawks and the Warriors, we've reached that point in the season where I honestly think the competitive edge is is kind of come off a little bit. They're thinking about the postseason. The Warriors are not in any grave danger of losing the top seed. They have a nice, healthy you know, gap between them and the Memphis Grizzlies. And so I think that comes into play. They've been resting players lately. You've seen some of that. And the Hawks are in the same boat. They've got, I believe, a 10-game lead going into this week on the Cavs. So should be a good game. But, again, you know, a little bit of a playoff preview, but it's, I don't think it's going to feel like a playoff game. Fair enough. Um, college basketball fans are frothing at the mouth. This is their big weekend, Sam, as the NCAA tournament gets underway, uh, March Madness. And as you kind of touched upon it in, in the piece that we started our conversation with, you don't really have that in the NBA. But I will ask you, are, are we in for any kind of a surprise, whether it be down the stretch of the regular season or perhaps in the playoffs. Is there anything in your crystal ball that would say that will move the needle or kind of come up from out of nowhere? So, I mean, listen, the way the West is, no question. I mean, the Warriors could get bounced in the first round. I think that's whether it's New Orleans or OKC. I think that's a distinct possibility. They, you know, one of the subplots that people are going to want to keep an eye on right away is as great as they have been this year, guarantee you. Even people underneath the Warriors' umbrella have concerns about what happens when the postseason gets here and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are getting doubled at every turn and it's forcing other guys on that team to hit shots. The old concern or adage about just, you know, can, can you win a championship with a, a jump-shooting team? And they've got some inside presence, but not, uh, you know, it's not, a, not much of a balance. So that's, I think, something to watch. I think you could have surprises at every turn in the West. Look at the fact that the Spurs are sitting there at that seventh seed, and I just refuse to ever argue that they can't turn it on and look like the defending champions and make some serious noise. Now, they just got beat by the Knicks, which was a bad look, but you never know. So the West is where the surprises are going to be, I believe. And then in the East, I think once you get into the second round, we're going to see some good stuff. I think, um, although I, that being said, and I just peeked at the standings and cheated here a little bit, 
you know, Cavs Pacers could be a decent series with the way Indiana's been playing lately. So I think it should be fun. And if you know, if we're not going to have top sixteen like we've been debating and arguing here, at least in the East, some of these below five hundred teams that are going to get in, at least they're playing good basketball. There's a number of teams that have now put together a couple months worth of pretty good basketball. So you know, it should make it more competitive. Well, certainly enjoyed our visit today. You're a very special guest, Sam, and I hope that we can get back with you maybe as as these things all come down the stretch, maybe uh, whether we visit right before the end of the regular season or right before the postseason tournament begins. Yeah, no problem, Sean. Enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Hey, Sam, if folks don't know, how can they follow you on Twitter? The Twitter handle is at Sam underscore Amick. It's A-M-I-C-K. So check me out there. I'm, uh, I'm probably, uh, you know, I've more prolific than people would like on there tweeting out our stuff so it's uh whatever we're doing you're going to see it on there uh it works fine for me that's for sure and check out the piece the best should be in sam amick and uh jeff zildjian on that uh, piece for usa today all the best to sam we'll see him out west soon enough the pelicans head out west and begin with the suns later tonight more on the black and blue report in just a moment All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to secure early bird pricing and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, let's turn our attention now to the New Orleans Saints here on this Thursday. And, of course, uh, we're all keeping an eye on the wire, as they say, as free agency continues. And it's slowed down, certainly. But part of the flurry last week was the acquisition of linebacker Donnell Ellerby from the Miami Dolphins. That was, of course, a part of the Kenny Stills uh, trade. And to learn more about Mr. Ellerby, we bring in John Kinjemi from the South Florida area. He's an analyst with the Dolphins, also a part of the ESPN college football coverage. And John, good morning here from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where we're getting ready for Pelicans and Suns tonight. I appreciate you uh, joining us to talk about Danelle Ellerby. No problem, Sean. Let's learn a little bit more about a guy who I, I don't think many in South Florida really got a good chance to see due to injury, but what can you tell us about the linebacker that originally started things up with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, in my opinion, he's an active linebacker. And the Dolphins kind of casted him as a middle linebacker because of his 
work in Baltimore. When Ray Lewis went down, he came in and, and really was going to be the fixture there at middle linebacker. The Dolphins uh, won a bidding war, got Danelle Ellerby in free agency, came to the Miami Dolphins with very high expectations. I'm not so sure that he met all of those expectations as a middle linebacker. Now, that's not saying Sean, he wasn't productive because he was right at the top of the list of all defenders in terms of tackles and being productive. But as a middle linebacker, I'm not so sure he was the, the guy the Dolphins were looking for. So in year two, they felt like they were going to move him to the outside and maybe a more natural fit would be an outside linebacker where he had played prior to in Baltimore and Ray Lewis being injured. He only lasted one game because he was hurt, uh, went on IR with a hip injury, and he was lost for the remainder of the season. So the jury was still out, I think, for Dolphin fans to say, hey, what was Danelle Ellerby in his time as a Miami Dolphin? My opinion, he was a productive linebacker. He was an active linebacker. But he needed to make more plays at or around the line of scrimmage and he needed to be more decisive in being able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I'm not so sure that his total of tackles, when you look at the number, they look impressive, but a lot of those were made down the field, and a lot of those were missed in open field. Now, that's not to say from the middle spot he may be out of position, maybe he's a more natural outside guy, but uh, that was my broad brush of what I saw in the year in one game for Danielle Ellerby. John, what will Scheme have to do with his success, uh, whether it is a successful run in New Orleans or not, whether it be a 4-3 or now into the Rob Ryan 3-4 scheme? Well, it may help him a bit. It may give him different angles of attack. I think in a 4-3 in a and a middle linebacker, you have to really rely on the players in front of you, and then you have to be very decisive in terms of making – the initial hit, and, and where your lanes of attack are. There's a lot of trash in a 4-3 that needs to be washed up. Now, in a 3-4, depending on where Rob decides to play him, he could be impactful because he does have a lot of speed, whether you use him on the outside as an edge guy or you're one of the in two, inside linebackers in that 4-3 or in that 3-4. You might be able to have a little bit more space to make plays. But um, I, I think he's going to be an effective linebacker for the Saints. It all depends on what's the best fit for him, and, and time will only tell that. You know, in Baltimore, John, they kind of wanted him to be the successor, I guess, to Ray Lewis in some respects. You mentioned his speed and his, his uh, physical activity. Does he lean more on that, or is there a mental aspect to Ellerby's game or his football IQ uh, that you've noticed, whether that will help him or or not? No, I think I think he's more of a just a, a raw type of linebacker. He he's the guy mentality wise you like at the linebacker spot. He's going to be downhill. He'll be physical. The only thing I I noticed in his brief stay with the Dolphins was that sometimes he was overly aggressive, where he's going for the big hit and doesn't wrap, and the ball carrier continue to go downfield. Um, maybe maybe a little less trying to go for the knockout and just make the tackle or be in the right position so others can come and join in on the tackle. Sometimes you, as a defender, when you're overly aggressive, you may knock your own defender off the tackle 
by lowering your head and just trying to go for that kill shot. John, I can't help but think that if you had to make a short list of Donnell Ellerby fans, Jeff Ireland would have to be near the top. Obviously, he played into Ellerby's existence in Miami, and certainly one would have to assume that he's had a, a grand in as to why he's now in New Orleans as well. I would think so. I think Jeff Ireland's probably a, a big part of why Donnell Ellerby is a New Orleans Saint. And I, I think in the transaction, the Dolphins ate some of that guaranteed money. So I think as a cap fit and the way that New Orleans has been attacking the offseason, it's probably a perfect fit for the Saints and that marriage again with Jeff Ireland. Hmm. Let's talk about the other side of the trade. Where does Kenny Stills fit in with the Dolphins? The Dolphins need help at wide receiver, and I think they get a young, uh, fairly consistent wide receiver. When you take a look at the numbers, the Dolphins are losing 16 of their 27 touchdown receptions by one way or another losing Brian Hartline, Mike Wallace, Brandon Gibson, and now Charles Clay as they remove the the, uh, the tag off of, of Clay's name now, and he'll become a member of the Buffalo Bills. So you're looking for help if you're a Dolphins fan and for Ryan Tannehill, a young quarterback that's progressing. So he's going to bring back Jarvis Landry. He's hoping that I would think Kenny Stills is a major contributor in this offense. I know that he had uh, over 60 catches, uh, close to 900 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So that will fit in well. In this offense, Sean, it doesn't seem like you need a Megatron or a Jimmy Graham. You don't need that or, or a Meacham. You don't need that number one. You need quick guys that are disciplined route runners that catch the football because the ball distribution goes just about everywhere. You're trying to spread the field. So a guy that can get in and out of routes, that can catch the football consistently and have some yak opportunities, some yards after catch opportunities, will fit in very well as a Miami Dolphin. Very interesting. I I guess, John, if, if the number one sign that a trade is a good one, being that both teams serve needs, this seems like uh, your textbook good trade, huh? You're right, John. I think that both teams are pretty happy because the Dolphins dump a big salary, maybe didn't get enough production out of out of Ellerby like they would have projected. So they, they move on, but they do get a wide receiver, which is now a great position of need for the Miami Dolphins. John Kinjemi, analyst with the Miami Dolphins, also college football coverage for ESPN. John, thank you very much. I hope you have a great rest of your Thursday down in South Florida. Hey, thanks, Sean. You do the same. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into our last segment here on the Black and Blue Report. Once again, you stayed longer and spent more money gambling than you planned. You told yourself it would never happen again, but it has. Now you have to tell your family you lost money gambling. If you or a family member has a gambling problem, Treatment services are available for Louisiana residents at no cost. Call now. It's free and confidential. 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-STOP. A message from the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals Office of Behavioral Health. 
Pelicans fans. Be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Pelicans are here in Phoenix, obviously, today to take on the Phoenix Suns. This will be the second of their three meetings this year. The Pelicans won meeting number one back in New Orleans by four points earlier this season. As a matter of fact, it was right about the end of December when New Orleans picked up that win. Uh, Phoenix is still kind of in the playoff picture, but a win tonight would probably push them quite out of the way with 14 left for the Pelicans after this uh, affair tonight. So with that, uh, we'll say that this is a big game and perhaps even label it as a must win, and we might have a lot of those labels here to uh, come. With more about the Phoenix Suns, we listen in now to Daniel Salerson's visit with radio analyst Tim Kempton from the Phoenix Suns Radio Network. Right, right now, the, the New Orleans Pelicans with, with Anthony Davis you know, he's, he's that type player that gives everybody else around you confidence. Um, uh, first and foremost, you have to slow him down. He's, he's getting to that, that, that point in his career where he's a superstar. You're not going to stop him. You know, the guy's shooting at an incredible percentage. You just have to make him make, take more shots to get his numbers. So uh, one, one thing that, that, that you still want to do with him is get him off his comfort spots on the offensive end. And then Omar, she, don't don't forget about that guy around the hoop. He's doing a very nice job, you know, scoring scoring the ball um, for for them in, in in other ways, not not uh, not having plays called for him. And when you have a guy like that, you know, always around the the basket for offensive rebounding and and, and putbacks and, and those little dump offs. So uh, know where he is on on the glass and then box out. Yeah, we're a much better team when we rebound the ball and push it up the floor. And, and those two of those, the guys I just mentioned, obviously, Anthony Davis and Omer Sheik, you have to box them out. You can't give these guys second-chance opportunities uh, around the basket. You can hear all of Daniel's visit with Tim Kempton tonight on an extended pregame show on the Pelicans Radio Network, notably on WWL-FM. That's 105.3 FM for those listening in the New Orleans metro area. It's all a part of a long Pelicans block tonight on the radio that starts at 8 Central with our usual Monty Williams show. That's a Thursday night visit with the head coach. Begins at 8, as I mentioned. And then at 8.30, we'll have an extended pregame show that will lead up to a 9 o'clock network start and tip-off from U.S. Airways Center here in Phoenix, Arizona. So we're looking forward to that for sure. We hope that you'll join us tonight. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Obviously, we'll be recapping the uh, ball game between the Suns and the Pelicans tonight, and we'll get you ready for the Warriors on Friday night. Big thanks to our guest today, John Kinjemi from the Miami Dolphins, Sam Amick from USA Today, and Tim Kempton, too. We'll hear more from Tim a little bit later on tonight. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody, and we'll talk to you on the radio here from Phoenix later on this evening. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. 
Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.